It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years this evening at 5 p.m. Central Time, that's 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and every Sunday evening at this time, right here on blogtalkradio.com, on Dr. Mara Carpell, and now on Apple Podcasts after the show. And today is Sunday, May the 1st. 2022. Happy May Day, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and we are back live from beautiful and already hot Austin, Texas. And Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us as usual to make the show run smoothly. And we continue to hold the Ukrainian people in our hearts today and throughout the days. And Keep them in our prayers for their safety. And today, we are joined once again by Zen Buddhist monk, Vietnam War veteran, and founder of the Zalto Foundation, author Claude Anshin Thomas. And he returns for a continuation of last week's discussion about creating peace in this time of war and violence. And we began that discussion last week and decided it's such a big topic that we were going to continue it this week. And also, for a local community service, Ed Hockfield, chair of the board for HFLA, returns to let us know about what that is. It's the Hebrew Free Loans of Austin and how it can be of help to people of Austin. He was on a few weeks ago to talk about how they're helping the people in Ukraine and Ukrainian refugees and now he'll talk about what they do for people right here in Austin. And if there's any time in between, I'll continue my talk about late life depression. And if I don't have time, I'll talk about that on an upcoming show. After this evening's show, you can hear the program again by going to my website and the link to the podcast along with any important links that we discussed on the show will be posted later tonight and you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show by going directly to blog talk radio blog talk radio.com slash your golden years and to find out what's coming up in following upcoming weeks Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, your golden years. This show is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by amightygoodtime.com. Wondering what to do after you're 50? How about having amightygoodtime.com? It's free to search, free to post, and much more. Whether it's in person or virtually, anything can be found to fill your day connecting with other people. So be more active, start connecting with people again, and go to amightygoodtime.com. That's amightygoodtime.com. So we're going to take a brief break, just play a couple of our sponsors' commercials. It's going to be very brief, so don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll be joined once again by Zen Buddhist monk, Vietnam War veteran, Claude Anshin Thomas. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. 
Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And now joining us once again is Zen Buddhist monk, Vietnam War veteran, founder of the Zalto Foundation, and author Claude Anshin Thomas. And we decided that the discussion we were having last week was so big that we were going to continue it this week. So welcome back, Claude. Um, Thank you, Dr. Carpell. It's really nice to be back. Yeah, thank you for coming back again so quickly so that we could keep this discussion going because, you know, last week we we just started to touch on, uh, you know, how people can – start to create peace in the world and peace in their lives and within themselves. And, you know, with this absence of peace in the world, all the conflicts, the war in Ukraine and all the other wars around the world and the violence happening right here in the United States. And it's such a big discussion and it's really on the minds of most of us, I think, most of the time. So, um, so thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, uh, just in your brief introduction there, um, mm-hmm. a couple of words popped up for me. Peace okay. and conflict. Um, what I often invite people to do is to um, understand that, that peace is not a fixed, it's not a fixed or rigid place. It's not a, uh, peace is not an ideological view of the world. And if we have some idea of peace and we are attempting to get the world to conform to that, that's actually not peace. That actually is an act of aggression. Um, peace is a very organic, um, uh, fluid, ever... Um, I'm missing a word right now. It, it, it's forever showing itself differently. Um, mm-hmm. What enables us to experience peace because it's not an idea, it's really an experience, is by our willingness to wake up to the roots of war, violence, and suffering in us, in us as individuals, Mm. because war is only a collective manifestation of individual suffering. Um, I would also say that peace is not the absence of conflict. And we as a culture need need to learn how to engage in conflict. Without that conflict, um, devolving into war, violence, and aggression. And unfortunately, at the, the most popular levels or the, the highest levels of communication, we don't see that taking place. What we see and uh, celebrated is um, uh, getting the best of someone. Uh, so it's, mm-hmm. it's the arguments that are constructed. So conflict is conflict begins, arguments are instructed, and, and it, it is a, it's a mini war. 
my responsibility in these kinds of arguments is to um, humiliate you, to to uh, present an argument that that smothers you, to defame you. Um, we also in a culture that sort of values. I think anyone who has who's attained any level of success that um, they're at um, they're a, they're a, a target to be um, brought down. Instead of celebrating mm-hmm. success, we rather uh, diminish it. Um, so, uh, peace. Do you go, go on? Sorry. No, no, please go ahead. <laughs> I have a question. I, Ask you know, me. I, I noticed that what you're describing is something that's been going on for the past few years. Like I remember having debates with people who disagreed with me, um, and they just remained debates that were focused on the topic and we brought in our different arguments to try to support our you know our our side but they didn't become they didn't usually become personal they didn't usually involve you know yelling at each other cursing or even you know physical violence and it seems to me that people have forgotten how to do that and i don't know if it's because of social media or if it's because of um, texting and how people have forgotten to, how to speak to each other, um, or if it's something else. Do you, do you have any thoughts about that? Well, um, there is a, first off, I want to congratulate you on the ability to be able to do that, to have, mm-hmm. um, to have like discussions about different, to be able to talk about different points of view, different angles of perception without that, Without the discussion devolving into mm-hmm. personal attacks, uh, without um, people attempting to um, talk over you to convince you of the rightness of their position and the wrongness of your position, to be, to be able to have these sort of intelligent um, kind of conversations, it's, it, I'm, I really I applaud you for being able to do that. It's because it is in, intensely rare in these days. Um, I, what I will it say, it doesn't always work because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because well, the response sometimes is different than what I you know it it, it does become more aggressive. Um, but that it works at, that it works at all. I applaud you. Right. For that. Yes. Okay. Uh, but I would say that you brought in the topic of social media. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so when when I, when I grew up. Um, when I was growing up, no cell phones, um, um, no internet, no computers. It just, that, that wasn't happening. Um, and I grew up in a small rural, um, a, a small rural farming community in Northwest Pennsylvania, a place called Waterford, Pennsylvania, just south of Erie. Now, mm-hmm. um, when, when people from outside of the city would go into the city, and we we carried with us a sense of anonymity, and so um, we acted in a in a way in which we wouldn't act at home. And and I see mm. that sort of phenomena. Um, I see social media being um, being an example of that because there's this level of anonymity that people feel like they can say anything they want, do anything they want, um, without repercussions. Where if you were face to face, they they may not actually say those kinds of things, and so I I, I I'm not on even today. I'm not on social media. I, I just don't 
I don't see the point because it is such a um, an artificial form of um, interacting with one another. I will say though that um, I, I I don't want to I don't want to make social media the culprit. I will okay. say social media social media provides people with the venue that allows them to appear anonymous, and with that anonymity, people will say things that they normally wouldn't say. They'll act in ways they normally wouldn't act. Um, they will um, present images of themselves that are not necessarily correct. And that's not about social media. It's about the individuals and how they use it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I, I want to be cautious about that. I know that, for okay. example, um, I'm quite clear. If I'm doing a, if I do a public talk, I'm, I let people know Look, if you want to do photographs, if you want to record, that's okay with me. I said, under no circumstances, however, do you put that on social media? Um, mm-hmm. Because I, 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 I don't want to become, um, I don't want to become a focus of somebody's vitriol. Um, I, right. It's like when the, the, the first book that was published um, at Hell's Gate, A Soldier's Journey from War to Peace. I really had some. Um, I really had some apprehensions about going to press with this book um, because what I was doing was telling the truth of my war experience, of my war experience. And um, I was not telling someone else's truth. Uh, but war, it wasn't a, a book celebrating war. It's not a book celebrating war culture. Um, it is a war, but it also doesn't dishonor um this soldier. Um, mm-hmm. I, um, my fear about allowing that to be published is that um, I know people have people create a world around them to justify um, or make sense out of an experience that really doesn't make any sense, and whether that's war or something else. And um, that experience or that, that world that they create um, cannot be threatened. If anything sort of penetrates that, that worldview, um, then the person holding that worldview will need to get rid of what they appear to be a threat. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, I think there's, there's not the possibility to, to really engage with people um, and um, and share, find out the commonality of our experience. What drew me to Buddhist practice was um, from the very beginning, I was um, instructed to um, see where I'm connected to the other, not where I'm different, to realize the interconnected reality that I live in, that I'm I'm. I'm not sort of this separate entity that's bouncing around in this thing that we call life, that I'm, I'm actually part of an organic interconnected whole. And, and for example, you and I, if you go back 80 generations, at some point they tell us, they tell me, I, or I read this someplace, that every one of us is connected. It, we're related somehow. Right. Go back enough generations. And, and so there are so many... Um, practical indicators that allow us to understand this, this reality of interconnectedness. And I, I read, I read, uh, I, I read a quote by somebody that said, 
why in the world would you ever want to hit someone? You know, and and there's so many uh-huh. ways in which we're conditioned to hit someone. Um, words, not only actions, but words and thoughts and and emotions. It, and mm-hmm. all because we haven't developed a, a, a language to be able to express our feelings. Like somehow that's not okay. Right. Right. Yeah, I just read a quote. I think it was from Johnny Depp <laughs> where he oh. said, yeah, he said, um, why would I Why would I hit someone? I'm not going to make them, I'm not going to prove that I'm right by hitting them. That's not going to prove that I'm right. You can't make somebody, I don't remember the exact words, but you can't make somebody agree with you by hitting you, hitting them. No, no. <laughs> this, this is, I, I've also used this example because I, uh, I, I'm a combat soldier. Um, I'm a disabled combat soldier. I served in war and I served honorably. Um, that doesn't. That's said not to to justify war in any way. It's not to kind of make sense or make good out of that experience. It's simply to say that in that circumstance I served honorably, and because mm-hmm. there's not a thing that I can do to change that reality right now. Um, I can't change what was. However, if I'm willing to look at um, what what shaped me to make, what shaped me or directed me um, to the decisions that had me go into the military, that had me believing that um, these people have lived in, that the people who lived in, in Southeast Asia were somehow enemies of the United States and it was my responsibility to, to, uh, to take their lives. Um, mm-hmm. when I reflect back on that I said I, I think how could I have believed that how could I even imagine that but in fact um, I was a true believer I, I, I was really raised to believe that if my country asked me um, if my country needed me in service that it was my obligation to serve and and um, and, and I did so I did so with honor mm-hmm. but the, the mm-hmm. aftermath of that um, the actions that were committed in, in service of that w- were not honorable. There's nothing honorable in that. Um, not in the sense of not in the sense of honor that that I was raised with. And, and so now, how do I live at peace with that unpeacefulness? Um, in the beginning, of course, we create we create a, a, a world around us that that shelters us, that makes that that we fabricate a world that makes sense out of out of. These kinds of actions, whether it was whether we're soldiers in war, or whether uh, we grew up in families that were violent or uh, abusive or um, dismissive, um, whether the society we grew up in was exploitive, um, whatever circumstances we encountered, um, that we didn't have the capacity to be able to process it at the time, when we break through into this place of awakening, and um, where we suddenly our world comes into question, um, that's when it becomes important, I think, to have a disciplined spiritual practice. Um, mm-hmm. And spiritual meaning, not, not, not if a thing isn't practical, it's not spiritual. So don't, I don't want to, too many airy, too many, <laughs> I, I don't know how to express this without offending somebody, but um, too many kumbaya <laughs> ideas about spirituality. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Right. And, and please, if, if somebody in your listening audience is offended by that, I deeply apologize. I'm just at a lack of, of, of words right now. Um, this this notion that spiritual is something other sort of extra or superhuman is is incorrect. Mm-hmm. It's like making the bed, um, cleaning the sink, washing the dishes. This, this is all part of a spiritual practice. It's doing those things with concentration, and and how I interact with the with the person with the other. That is the key, that is the key. Well, I think. The only the the problem is that the word spirituality for some people is that it's been it's been conflated with the word religion and they're actually yes, different true. things. Right. Quite different. Mhm. Mhm. Somebody asked me so, said, how do you how do you differentiate? And I and my my statement was, and I'm sure I read this someplace that religion is the intellectualization of the essential teachings and spirituality is the embracing and living out of the essential teachings, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I could get into a whole conversation about that. Because that's very deep. Um, you know, my dad, I used to tell him that he was one of the most spiritual people that I knew and he would laugh and say that's impossible because he was he was an atheist. And um <laughs> yeah, well. Um and I you know, but I have a different view of spirituality than having to believe in a uh, religion. So, you know, he lived he lived it. And I think that that's you know, that we could all learn to live that no matter what we believe in whether we, you know, believe in something supernatural or not. So. (laughs) Yes, where do we Um, connect? mm -hmm. Where do we connect, not where are we different? Right. This this for me is always the point. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you believe. I I don't care what you say. What I care about is how you interact with me. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I, I sort of remember that uh, growing up, I'm the, the community that I grew up in. Um, so by by the very nature of the period that I grew up in, the community that I grew up in, I was conditioned in certain ways um, because I was a, a young white male uh, growing up in a rural, um, a rural, largely conservative area, and and so I was um, just conditioned to see the world in a certain way. Um, I, I, I see the world bigger than that now. Um, however, in the community where I grew up, even in the midst of the racism and the misogynism and and um, and all of its many forms that was showing itself in in the um, in the commitment to to create specialness and separateness and the diminishing of the other, um, still in the midst of all of that. Um, the, the the farmers working in the field they didn't really ca- they didn't really care about what you where you came from um, who you were what you did um, they only cared on what you were doing right there in that moment and were you was your word did your words and actions match and uh, mm-hmm. were you or were you a hard worker right uh, I I, I right. wish that they, I wish that once they came out of the field that they carried those attitudes with them. <laughs> 
Right. They didn't. So, so let me ask you a question with, you know, let's say, you know, there are many of us who really try to live the way that you're talking about and try not Mm -hmm. to um, create conflicts with others and try to look for um, how we are similar rather than how we're different and, you know, all of those things that you just talked about, but yet we look around and, and it seems like the conflict is increasing, whether it's, you know, right here um, in our own neighborhoods or, you know, there's wars around the world and this huge war in Ukraine that seems like it will never end. Um, how can we feel like we're able to make a difference and bring peace into the world and, and also keep that peace within ourselves and not get carried into the conflict because of our own agitation about it, our own anxiety and fear. Um, You know, I think that that's the question I've been having for a while. Like, how do I remain peaceful with so much going on and, and not like just, you know, feeling like I'm peaceful, but I'm not doing anything (laughs) to help. Well, um, I have to, I have to first. I have to give up my ideas of what what it means to be peaceful. Um, I have some people that that sometimes. Uh, so the foundation has has um, has a vehicle, and sometimes it needs some work. And and there's some mechanics up the road. There's a garage up the road where um, I take it. I have a really nice relation with these people, and um, the, the radio that the radio program that they listen to. Um, would make um, QAnon look a bit mainstream. Um, <laughs> okay. They, they are. They are sort of. They are. I mean, I walked in there one time and they were on a rant about educated people, these educated tree hugger, and, and, and they were going on this rant. And I, I just walked in and I said, "Oh, hey, do you know that I have?" Um, I have X number of degrees, and and you know I you know, I'm really I'm one of tree hugging people, and, and, <laughs> and they looked at me, they looked at me kind of sideways, and then they said, well, but you're different, uh-huh. you know. So because I, I I didn't make an I didn't react to the rant. Uh, what I did was I I always I always make an effort to to um, touch the humanity. Because I know it's there. That's that's that invitation, and through Buddhist practice, to see where I'm connected, not where I'm separate. But that is not an intellectual process. It's like peace is not an intellectual process, and and I can't. I I need to wake wake up to the roots of war in me before I can understand and and, and work towards putting, uh, establishing another relation with that with the roots of war, violence, and suffering in me before I can actually get to a point where I begin to understand or experience the truth of peace. Peace is not the Mm -hmm. absence of conflict. It's learning to live in conflict without that conflict degenerating into war, violence, and suffering. I I imagine myself sometimes as a drip of water on a stone. to, To evoke the kind of change that we're speaking about 
um, is um, it, it requires a great deal of patience because it's not something mm-hmm. not something that will happen overnight. However, when it does happen, and I believe it can and will, when it does happen, it will seem like it was overnight, but in fact, um, it's it's that steady drip of water on that stone that eventually bores a hole in that stone and can crack that stone. So mm. just to just to do what I'm doing, even though there's there's a measure of helplessness in the midst of that, to really do what I'm doing. But I but what I do is I have some real grounding mechanisms in my life because I I can get caught in this powerlessness. So every morning. First thing I do when I get up, I make my bed like I never slept in it. And then mm-hmm. what I do is I spend a quiet reflection and I connect with my breath. Because the breath is the actual foundation of life. If we don't breathe, nothing else exists. Right. And so I breathe in through my nose. I breathe out through my mouth. It's just steady, slow, rhythmic breathing. Nothing created or artificial. Just steady, slow, rhythmic breathing. And I breathe in knowing that I'm breathing in and breathe out knowing that I'm breathing out. I sit for five minutes and I make a commitment to, to, um, to not hurt myself or another human being this day. And then I just mm-hmm. bring that energy with me into the day. I then, I, um, before I um, put myself to rest at night, um, I repeat the process. Now, uh, there are some other things I do because of the a tradition I'm ordained in. Um, I, I do some recitations and things, but I spend that five minutes in just quiet reflection, just that stillness. Uh, even if even if I, my mind is racing or my, my mind feels like it's on fire and, the, and, and, the, and I feel like I'm sitting still, if I just stay with that process, it's incredible the kind of support that that can give us. Mhm. Mhm. And how about that feeling? I mean, we started touching on this last week uh, about doing generous things or volunteering. Um, yeah. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to look at the opportunities we have in our own communities. Uh, um, I think nearly every community has um, provides services for homeless. There's for people who who are. Um, they're marginalized from mainstream society and culture. So there's soup kitchens. Um, there are daycare centers. There are um, um, people need rides. And uh, there are people who, there are um, older people who don't have the pet capacity to get around. There are meals to be delivered to them. There, there, are, um, there are animals to be cared for. Um, there are agencies that provide shelter for abandoned animals. And they need help and support. There's all sorts of volunteer possibilities, and in 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 your community, it's like if there's a there, there's hospitals in in your community, you can you can go and volunteer in the hospital. If if there's a veterans administration hospital in your uh, area, um, you can volunteer at the veterans administration hospital. They welcome you. Um, you can also volunteer to drop, to pick people up who need to go to appointments and drop them off. There are any number of ways. Be of service, um, and mm-hmm. and and how can I be of service to my in in, in my own space? 
Look at making my bed every morning like I never slept in it. Mm-hmm. An act of service. Mm-hmm. It's an act of service. I express my gratitude to that bed for the support that it's given me through that night. It's it's the, right. the actualization of that interconnect that I'm not separate from that bed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not delusional. I'm not delusional, really. I'm not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and also what you just said, gratitude, that changes my whole perspective when I can spend some time every day thinking about what I'm grateful for. Um, because we're so often looking outside of ourselves for more. Um, and when we can look at what we already have or who we already are, that we can feel much more peaceful. Um, however, we have to be cautious. Okay. That we don't get that we don't get caught in the gratitude trap. The gratitude. What is the gratitude trap? Yeah. Where I feel like I'm supposed to be grateful. Okay. You know, like I have to be grateful, and if I'm not grateful, then there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. You know, there listen, mm-hmm. there are times there are times when I'm absolutely not. Um, on a serious note, there are there are times, Doctor Carpel, when I when I really I hate myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, considering what I have been responsible for in the war and the war after the war, I, you know I can't change a thing about what I've done. And and the residuals, I live with the residuals of that, you know. And and I am I. I wouldn't change. Well, I I wouldn't. I can't change a thing about my life. I I wouldn't, but I can't anyway. So, and but um, I. Um, there's sometimes I'm just you know I'm not grateful. I, I would mm-hmm. really, my life would have been those sort of those those. Faces path. Uh, if I if I have an active relationship with this interconnected reality and know that my thoughts are like clouds and they come into existence and they pass away, that that if I if I don't run away from them, if I allow those thoughts to be present, uh, to not reject them, to not let them identify me, um, they pass. Uh, um, mm-hmm. So sometimes, yes, I'm I'm very thankful. I prefer thankful to grateful, but I'm very thankful to that I have this, that I know this about myself today, mm-hmm. and, and that um, I just that's this is what I really invite people to do to 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 not attempt to escape what they deem as uncomfortable or or that they don't agree with that that is dressing to them. It's like, how do we make peace with our unpeacefulness? Mm-hmm. Gosh, I, I really, I so value these conversations. That I, I really yeah. do appreciate them. Well, there's so much more to talk about. So, there is, you know, there is. we'll have to have you back on. I know you said that you're going to, uh, are you going to Ukraine in July? Or are you going no. to well, countries actually, around be- Ukraine? No, I'll be traveling. I'll be traveling to Europe to visit some of the the um, sister organ, the sister branches of the Zalto Foundation, mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. 
and because I also have a number of, of invitations there, um, and and I I don't I don't exactly know at this point um, how um, if I will go to the Ukraine or not. I have a, I have mm-hmm. the idea to do it, but I want to make sure that if I do it, that I'm I'm not creating extra work or stress for people who live there. Right. And so I, I until I get there and know what. It's, it's like on the, on the ground. Um, I, I don't really know how that will unfold, but I do have a number of uh, of other commitments. Uh, I um, have retreats to facilitate, and I've been invited to do some public talks and um, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. things al- along those lines. It's also okay. I, I'm, by a mendicant, so everything I do, I do for free. I'm not permitted to charge for anything. Um, people, if people want to invite me. Um, all they have to do is um, they have to make sure my transportation is covered and I make an effort to travel as inexpensively as possible, provide me a simple place to stay and simple food to eat. And if they want to support the work that the foundation does, then they can donate to the foundation. It's like the proceeds of the books that you mentioned. Um, none of that money comes to me. It all goes to the foundation to support the ongoing work. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, on Wednesday, in Wednesday my um, – the foundation has started a fund, a veterans. Um, uh, it's a it's a veterans pet veterans pet healthcare fund. So pets are very important to to veterans, and and often veterans they're often in the veterans community they don't have the resources to really care for their pets the way they need to be cared for or would like to be cared for. The foundation has started a fund and partnered up with a couple of veterinary clinics in the panhandle of Florida here. And, and so we can um, help, um, we can help veterans um, pay for the kind of health care that their pets really need. And on Wednesday, uh, my assistant is actually going to run a solo marathon um, as a way of bringing attention to this fund and to help raise money for it. Um, so these are kind. These are the kind of things that we can do locally we, that may, to to, um, to be of service. Yeah. So and people can find out more about that at your website, right? The Zalto. dot org. Yes. www.zalto. Z a l t h o. dot org. Okay. All right. Well, as usual, I will post that on my. A website post about tonight's show. Thank um, you. And I would love to have you come back after you after you return from Europe and yes, talk actually, some more. Because... I was on your, the very first time I was on your show. Mm-hmm. I was in I was in Europe. You were. Did I, I know was. That? Yeah. I don't think I did. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 yes. So. Um, um, if, if you have no objections, what I'll do is I can, while I'm in while I'm in motion, while I'm traveling, I can um, keep in touch with you. And if something happens that we do go into Ukraine, to the Ukraine, if you would like some information about that, I would be glad to provide that to you. Absolutely, I would I would love that. That would be wonderful. Um, please do. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right, and then we can be in touch about about when you're back and and get you back on the program because there's so much to talk about. 
<laughs> Great. Thank okay. you so much, Ruby. Thank you so much. All right. Okay. And you you have a very nice evening and enjoy the spring and early summer and then we'll be speaking during the summer. Yeah, well it's it's actually getting pretty warm here too. Yeah, it's pretty hot here. Summer yeah. has arrived. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yes, the humidity is climbing and um the temperatures are rising. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll speak again soon. Uh, thank you so much. And, um, please and, be safe, and uh, my best to your listeners and, and to the people who produce your show, and thank you for the opportunities that you present to me. Okay, and thank you. All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Yeah, bye-bye. Okay, we're going to take a brief break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpell.com. All right, and we are back. And if you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And now in just a couple of minutes uh, before Ed Hockfield joins us from here in Austin to talk about um, Hebrew Free Loans of Austin, um, I did say that I would talk a little more about late-life depression because it's such an important topic. It's often missed in older adults and recently has become increased. And it is a public health um, issue because um, people, older people with depression tend to get sicker, more physically ill, and um, they have a lot more physical repercussions from late life depression. And the reason why, one of the, I had talked about several reasons why it's missed in older adults. But if we're going to look at the symptoms, the number one reason why it isn't noticed in older adults is because the main symptom that we look for in depression typically is sadness. And in older adults, that is very often not present. So um, in, in its place, we see physical, physical symptoms, we see... Um, tendency to feel more pain, physical complaints that have no um, no physical or medical reason, um, memory complaints now that we tend to think are dementia. We automatically jump to the conclusion that it's dementia when it could be depression. And the difference in an older adult with dementia versus depression is that a depressed person complains about the memory issue and if they're tested in their memory they tend to have a much milder memory issue than what they believe themselves to have that they think their memory is much worse and they tend to answer questions with I don't know while someone with dementia is often not aware of their memory problem 
and is not likely to complain about having a memory problem and their answers will often be incorrect. Um, even if they're close to the correct answer, they sort of make up an answer. So that's a difference. Um, they're also, div also um, concentrating problems, um, taking longer to understand, um, social withdrawal. So those are a few more symptoms of late life depression. Um, and again, we don't have much time this week and we need to go to the next guest. So I will continue that list and I will be writing a blog where you'll see all of the symptoms of late life depression right there in the blog. So with that said, we're going to go right to our next guest. Um, Ed Hockfield is the chair of the board for HFLA, Hebrew Free Loans of Austin. And he was on the program in the start of April to discuss how HFLA was helping help people in Ukraine and Ukrainian refugees. And this, this evening, he's here to tell us what is HFLA and how it helps people in Austin. Welcome, Ed. Thank you, Dr. Kalkor. It's a pleasure to be back with you, and perhaps we can begin, begin each month together. That would be great. But thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for coming back. And, uh, you know, last time we really focused on um, how you were helping and how HFLA was helping people in Ukraine. Um, but thanks for coming back to tell us what is HFLA. So what is it? Okay. <laughs> And I'll try to be brief because I would love to have some of your listening audience, if they have questions, to, to raise those. Um, Hebrew Free Loan uh, of Austin is a nonprofit organization that was formed. There are 50 uh, like uh, cities throughout the world that do have a Hebrew Free Loan. Just to give you an idea, uh, Pittsburgh and San Francisco were the first two, and they're celebrating their 100 in about 20, I think 26th birthday. They were formed in 18, I believe, 94, 95. We are relatively new. This is our 11th year. And what we do is, for those in the Jewish community, and that's Travis Williamson and Hayes County here in, in Austin area, who need a hand up, we are the organization to come to. Our mission is to give that hand up through interest-free, that's no interest loans. So it's not a handout because repayment is expected. And our repayment rate is over 98.7%. And this past week, we're so proud in our 11th year that we just loaned our 800, we went over the $800,000 mark in extending loans to those uh, in, in the uh, community here in Austin. Um, there, there are some parameters. One must be 18 years of age. They must have resided in the greater Austin area that I just mentioned for at least three months. Uh, must be a U.S. citizen. Uh, demonstrate credit worthiness and also demonstrate the ability to repay the loan on time. And uh, also... Um, the the um, loans up to $10,000 must be require one guarantor. Those over $10,000 mm -hmm. requires two. 
those over ten thousand uh, dollars, we call it we call those loans at ten thousand and below uh, general loans. We mm-hmm. do have business loans that reach can reach twenty thousand dollars, and we also have education loans, which also can be a maximum of twenty thousand dollars, five thousand dollars over four semesters. And because we are a hand up, we feel that for the education loan because there are other other, uh, of course, the Pell Grants, there are a lot of different other loans for students that we feel that we want to be that bridge in the final two years. So it's mm-hmm. available to those who are juniors or, or seniors or even into uh, graduate school. And those repayment terms are somewhat uh, more uh, amenable, so to speak, digestible for students. Normally uh-huh. our repayment our repayment is once the loans are dispersed, the money is dispersed, there is a 90-day grace period, and then we have a 24-month repayment uh, schedule, and we do use ACH. If there's an extenuating circumstance, because what we really want to do is we like to think ourselves as the friendly bank, uh, and we find every way possible to make a loan. And so if it needs 30 months, months to be repaid, we do so. Mm-hmm. And there, there are mm-hmm. certain, there's certain if, when one files an application, they can go online to hfla.org. Uh, those requirements are um, a, um, you know, they must show that they they're, have a driver's license, uh, most recent pay stub, recent W-2, a recent tax return, proof of rent or mortgage, a recent utility bill, and we also have free credit reports that we draw. And that goes before uh-huh. a, uh, a jo- uh, one of our members of the board, we are a volunteer board, would take on the responsibility of being the leader for that loan, for that applicant. And once everything has been um, assimilated, as well as a guarantor's uh, certification and, and signature on a uh, guarantor letter that's notarized, uh, the leader would call for a loan review committee, which would be made up of at least two others from our board, and uh, they would uh, meet to discuss the loan, and it's their responsibility. That's as far as it goes. If they decide to go for it with the loan, uh, it is done, and the money is dispersed. Normally, if it isn't dispersed within 24 hours, it will certainly be dispersed within 36 to 48 hours after mm-hmm. the uh, committee has made their decision. Everything is confidential. The only person outside of our board, uh, our, our loan chairperson, our operations manager who kind of uh, stewards the uh, shepherds, the application to its completion, and the loan review uh, team leader, uh, as well as our treasurer, have access to that application. The loan review committee sees the application, but the person that's applying, their name is redacted wherever uh, necessary. So that really mm-hmm. is, in essence, what, what we stand for and what we're here for. And um, we, we really want to help. So yeah, that, I, mean, I, I think that uh, kind of gives your overall view. Yeah, I mean, I've never, you know, where else could people get a, a loan with no interest? That's pretty amazing. 
<laughs> nowhere else. <laughs> I can tell you right. that. nowhere else. And we've all had times in our lives where we could have used it. Um, you oh, know, even just oh, a small it, loan, just to bridge things, as you said. Absolutely. We just had a loan that was uh, a, a situation where a person needed $1,500 because they were going to get the monies, but it was being held up. And, and so uh, actually that person, once they received their $1,500 that was coming to them, that was dispersed, they paid that back before they, even before the 90-day grace period. So that truly was mm-hmm. a bridge loan. And the number one need is credit card consolidation. Yeah. Which is not surprising. Right. When one thinks about how much one pays in finance charge, because they can only meet the minimum balance of a credit card or a payment on perhaps a dishwasher, whatever it might be, a car payment when one thinks about getting a loan for us to consolidate and then start paying a interest-free loan, we've seen where, where our applicants are cutting their finance charges beyond 50%, uh, where they might be paying 500 a month in just finance charge. All they have to do is repay us. Uh, if it's a $5,000 loan, it's no more than about you know, 100 and some odd dollars a month. Right. So, um, so that that really is number one need. We we also give loans for family planning, IDF, surrogacy. Uh, we give loans for home repairs, and we had someone who had an unexpected flood, and we were able to help them. We made some COVID loans. So there's a lot of different reasons that people come to us, and we're here to help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I mean, it definitely would save a lot of money by cutting out the the interest, <laughs> paying off the paying off the outstanding loan, and then having an interest free loan to pay is a huge right. saving. Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our when board, I when our board, I go on. Go on. No. 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 No, I was what just going to give an example. When I had my practice where I was 90% of my clients were Medicare uh, patients, I, for some reason, there was, a te- there was a technical glitch and Medicare wasn't paying me, didn't pay me for six months. But I was still working and still seeing my clients just on the hope that I would eventually be paid. Um and I had to take loans from family, which was uncomfortable, just to live on. Right. And right. having that kind of loan would have given me, you know, peace of mind. I could have paid it back as soon as I was paid, you know, got received money from Medicaid, Medicare and Medicaid, both. <laughs> right. Right. Um, we, our number one challenge is getting the word out that we are here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is not is not the funds to you know it's a recycling. What's so beautiful if there, uh, some of your listeners look at uh, uh, and they're you know give to nonprofit organizations, charitable giving. Our our model is unlike any other because a donor's dollar 
Granted, yes, we have overhead. We have a part-time operations person. Everything else is run by the board. So about 86 cents, 87 cents, every dollar that's given to us goes directly to a loan. And that loan is recycled. That money is recycled over and over and over. It truly is a gift of a lifetime that keeps giving right. because of right. the repayment. And once that, mm-hmm. every month, we we right now run about $10,000 that we get a month in repayment. That money goes right back out again to additional loans. So a donor uh-huh. actually sees where their dollar continues to give for decades, forever, as long as we're right. here to do that. So that's right. unique. And then the other side is just getting the word out that Hebrew Free Loan of Austin is here. And that's what we're really focusing on in the last, in this year, last year, is getting that traction and that exposure. And your show, I appreciate the opportunity to be here tonight to get the word out. And I would say to any of your listeners who might need a loan, go to the website, hfla.org, or if they have friends or family that might have a dental need, uh, any type of need, please let them know know about us. Okay, and I'm going to post the the link to your website on my website post about this show, as they usually do, um, later tonight so people can see that and just click on it. And I'd love to have you back. Unfortunately, I don't have a show in the next couple of months at the beginning of the month, but let's be in touch about when you can come back again, okay? Love to do that, and I appreciate it. And uh, stay well, and to all your listeners, uh, thank you. And uh, make it a great, great day. Thank you so much. You too. You too. And you have a very good night. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. We've come to the end of another program. And before Art knocks us off the air, let me tell you what's happening next week. Um, May 8th, we'll be back for Mother's Day. And we'll have a Mother's Day show with two guests. Um, The first guest is Dr. Julie Paleman, clinical psychologist, professor, and nationally and internationally recognized scholar on children with incarcerated parents. Um, A growing number of children are experiencing the incarceration of their mothers. And in most cases, grandparents end up providing the care for their grandchildren while the mothers are incarcerated. So Dr. Paleman will discuss risks and resilience for children, mothers, and grandparents who find themselves in these situations. Also, Jennifer Puak is a master's student at Columbia University. She works at the College of Mount St. Vincent in the Bronx and is a member of the Immigration Committee at that college. And she's also a volunteer with a nonprofit group called AFIA, which sends medical supplies to countries in crisis. And currently, Ukraine is where they are sending their supplies right now. So Jennifer will let us know how we can help um, and the benefits of volunteering and volunteerism, which is just very powerful for our own mental health. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this show, get those website links. Um, Go to my website later tonight. The podcast and the links will be posted at drmarikarpel.com. 
And you can also hear this evening's program in in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com slash your golden years and you can also listen on apple podcasts and for upcoming shows follow me on facebook dr mara carpell your golden years this show was produced by accomplice entertainment postal productions and psyched up productions and sponsored by a mighty and thank you to my guests claude and shin thomas Ed Hockfield, and thank you to Art, and thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night, an inspiring week, and remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. 